Welcome to What the Health, a podcast where we explore the key health issues that are often dismissed. I'm James Jensen, a functional medical practitioner and owner of Hello Health, a holistic clinic focused on treating the root cause of issues rather than the symptoms by connecting the dots and giving you practical and evidence-based solutions. And I'm Julie Johnston, one of James's clients, and I also happen to be his PR consultant, who, let's be honest, basically strong-armed him into doing this podcast. If you've been going around in circles, feeling dismissed, and not getting the results you deserve, then you're in the right place. Because as you always say, James, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. Exactly. So let's drill down to what's really going on. So James, one of my favourite topics to chat about with you is about children's um, behaviour and health and um, how diet and health supplements can assist them. And of course, as parents, no one gives us a handbook on how to raise kids. Um, We're all winging it and doing the best we can. But I know that you have had quite a few parents and their children presenting in clinic lately um, with some concerns. Do you want to chat to us about some of the things you're starting to see? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess... um being a parent myself, it's a bit like trial by fire. So um, I guess a lot of my interest in this came from helping my own son. Um, before before I had children, obviously, yes, I would see uh, children, you know, f- you know, with different problems, you know, whether it be eczema or sleep um, issues like that or, you know, diagnosis of ADHD or autism. And, you know, I had a fair idea on how to treat it, but it wasn't until I guess I had some of my own um, experiences with my son when, when things didn't go quite to plan that I thought oh my gosh I really really need to become an expert in this for my own sanity and my family's sanity um, but yeah I'd say a lot of the most common things that would we would see would be parents will bring a child in they might you know be getting sick all the time or they might have problems with their gut so they might have like constipation um, th- there might be things like eczema or dermatitis um, you know, and, and often it's behavioural things too, like, um, you know, Charlie, for example. Charlie is um, not behaving at school very well. He's sometimes aggressive, some of those things. And I guess what, what um, where my interest sort of came from is understanding how some of those things can happen because obviously there's the psychological aspect, so there's things that would be handled by like a counsellor or a psychologist, but then... My interest really comes from, you know, how, how can we change or improve these things from a biochemical point of view? So, um, yeah, if that's a, a bit of a good intro. Yeah. And do a lot of these issues um, stem from the gut? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was Hippocrates who famously said, you know, all disease begins in the gut. And so gut is usually one of the first places that we would start with kids. And the, the tricky thing is that kids aren't very good at describing their symptoms so we're often relying on on mums and dads to relay information. Um, sometimes, you know, you might say to a kid, do you feel bloated? And they might say no, but if we can quite clearly see that their, you know, their belly is distended, um, they, you know, they might feel constipated, but they might be pooing only, you know, sort of three, three times a week, for example. So um, we definitely always start in the gut. And the reason is because, like Hippocrates said, all disease begins in the gut. So if there's any sort of um, bug imbalance, so if there's an overgrowth of a certain bacteria or not enough of a certain bacteria, that will definitely affect neurochemistry. 
So we know that a lot of our neurotransmitters are actually made in the gut. So like 90% of serotonin, for example, is made in the gut. Um, so if, if the gut is not good, nothing is good. And when there are imbalances, is that sometimes what is also driving the sugar cravings? Like I know in my house, sometimes trying to get my son to eat something healthy and he just wants that sugary and rubbishy food. Is that sometimes what's driving that? Yeah, so there can be different species that sort of signal to the brain that say, hey, I would like more sugar, please. Um, so candida is a really common um, bug to be overgrown. So candida is like a yeast and it loves sugar preferentially. It's not that fussy. If you take sugar away, it will eventually eat other things, but that's its favorite food. So often you'll, you know, if you see a child with a candida overgrowth in their gut, which um, is surprisingly common, they will have, you know, sort of, I guess, sugar cravings that go beyond I like sugar to like I need sugar. And that's, a, I guess, a, a key differential point. Because, I mean, most kids do love chocolate and those things, but if they sort of, if they're sneaking it or they're like irate when they don't have it, that's a real sign that um, there might be more to it. Yeah. And so how are you diagnosing these things? Like I know there um, are some things you look for physically and um, and how are you then clinically, you know, uncovering some of these issues? Yeah, so physically, I mean, we can do things like inspect the child's mouth. Um, so if it is something like candida in in some instances, we will see that they will have like a white coating on their tongue. Um, they might have, um, like on their skin itself, they might have little um, things like ringworm, which is which is a candida infection as well. You might see like funky toenails. Um, one little thing that I often look at is children's nails. Because if we're seeing any little white spots on their nails, that's a sign of zinc deficiency. And zinc is so important for healing the gut. So... There's a term called leaky gut, which is really, I guess, the medical um, terminology for that is gastrointestinal hyperpermeability. So you can understand why we just say leaky gut. But if they if their gut is leaky, you get far, you get a lot of systemic inflammation, and so there is that crosstalk between the gut and the brain. So if their gut is leaky, their brain's going to be leaky. So if I'm seeing white spots on their nails straight away, I'm thinking zinc deficiency, and knowing that zinc is so critical to healing that gut lining and and making that gut less permeable you know straight away I go well we could be looking at leaky gut here mm. and you know as parents we always um, blame ourselves or feel guilty about things but um, correct me if I'm wrong like uh, nutritionally we're just not even if we are feeding our kids a good balanced diet some of the nutrients just aren't there in the foods like it used to be um, back in the heyday. So it's not necessarily that we're bad parents or not doing the right things. Sometimes there is just a need for supplements. Is that right? Yeah. Um, most of the time we would need to supplement to get the ball rolling. So like a common scenario would be, you know, a parent might know that their child is not eating well. So, you know, say they're just fixated on processed foods. And what we might need to do is we might – you know, we might need to supplement zinc, for example, because once we supplement zinc, that can drive appetite as well. So sometimes they go, well, now I'm hungrier for other things. Um, but again, if that if that gut is leaky, they'll have more inflammation and potentially poorer digestion. So they'll be drawn to, th to things that are pro uh, processed because then there's less, they don't, we're not relying on their gut to digest it as much. So You'll, you'll see that in, in adults too and in older people. They'll want more processed foods because it's creating less digestive burden. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's quite a tricky thing. But, yeah, 
I think, like you said, the the diet makes a, a massive difference, but um, the the foods and the quality of foods really isn't what it used to be. And a lot of the times we need to supplement just to get the ball rolling because, you know, I guess if you think of it like, you know, trying to build a house, if you lay the foundations with the supplements and they enable better behaviours or if it grows appetite, that's how you can start to get their diet better. Yeah, and likewise for strengthening the immune system because as all of us parents know, the kids come home um, sick, they get the rest of the family sick. One, we've got to take time off to care for them, but then also we're taking sick days. Uh, It's not fun for anyone. So um, strengthening their immune system and getting them well really helps too. Yeah, those daycare bugs are um, quite the problem. Yeah, it's not until you become a parent you really understand it. Yeah. Um, now, James, you touched on before that you went through quite the journey with your own son's um, health and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit of that story and how old was Harvey when it all started and what were the symptoms that you and your wife, Emma, really kind of noticed and made you, like, investigate deeper? Yeah, so um, firstly, um, Harvey had a speech delay. So we knew that, um, I guess we were sort of thinking, oh, it's just a speech problem, so... Um, Obviously, the inability to communicate properly, we thought, was manifesting in different behaviours like aggression and, you know, biting and things like that. We thought, you know, once his speech is better, he will be better. Um, But we were seeing things like he, you know, he wouldn't sleep through the night, um, which is soul-destroying for any parent. Um, Absolutely. You know, say we went to the Cowboys, he'd be um, really sensitive to loud noises and so he'd be covering his ears... um, had trouble making new friends and, you know, some anxiety behaviours, some aggressive behaviours. And and I thought, well, there's really something not quite right here. And off the back of that, what we decided to do was a test called the organic acid test, which is a, it's a urine test, which we'll often use in clinic to help diagnose things. Because as you know, uh, little kids don't usually volunteer for blood tests. So it's a nice, easy way to um, get a fair idea on what could be happening. So what it's doing is it's measuring lots of little things that, and it gives us an idea of how the cells themselves are actually operating. So we can diagnose certain deficiencies or if they need a high level of a certain nutrient um, that might be, I guess, they're not just quite getting through a normal standard diet. And we're also seeing things like microbial metabolites. So we talked about like gut bacteria and how that can influence behavior. So we'll see you know, if there is a bacterial overgrowth or an imbalance, we'll also see that in the test. It doesn't tell us exactly what the imbalance is, but it tells us that there's somewhere that we need to look. Yeah, and so what were some of the key results that you found through that process and how you were able to then start helping Harvey? Yeah, so one of the key things um, that we sort of worked out that um, his zinc was low. And again, to come back to the whole gut thing, so his, his zinc was quite low, which meant that you know his gut was more leaky um he had a higher requirement for b6 and zinc and b6 have a massive um implication on neurotransmitters so again serotonin is a really really important one which requires zinc and b6 and there's another neurotransmitter called gaba which is neuro inhibitory so it helps people slow down if they're feeling a bit anxious or stressed so the body will release more gaba in response to that and also it's really really important for sleep so with things like low zinc and B6, he couldn't make the right serotonin. He couldn't make the right GABA. So when we started to supplement those things, again, we saw like a massive change. It's like, oh, this poor kid, this is what he needed. And um, it was quite distressing 
actually when it's your own son, when you see his results and they were a real mess. Um, and especially knowing, like you said earlier, we, he was a good eater and we did feed him a lot of good things. Um, and one of the other things that came out about that test was that his microbiome, so his gut buck balance was all out of whack. So the key supplements that we started him on was the zinc, which had some B6 in there, which we actually applied as a transdermal cream. So some kids can be can get an upset stomach from taking zinc. So we we uh, compounded a transdermal uh, zinc. So that was a nice way to get the zinc in um, with the B6. And so people can get that made at a compounding pharmacy? Yep, yep. yep. Townsville Compounding Pharmacy's got a... Um, one that's ready to go. So it's it's a really good tool. And again, that's great for like driving appetite and things mm. like that. So if, the, if a child's a fussy eater. Um, and again, like we, zinc's one of the most common deficiencies that I'll actually see in kids. And yeah, so then off, off the back of some of his gut stuff, we started him on a probiotic as well. Um, what we actually did was we mixed most of the things that he needed into some apple sauce. And he likes the flavor of apple sauce. Um, so we had a few, a little bit of trial and error, like we tried a few different things to hide these supplements in, but he started to notice that he felt better. Yeah. And he was sort of saying, oh, hey, dad, I think I need my supplements. So that's a really nice way to know that it's working. Um, but yeah, we, it's, I guess, been life-changing for him and us. Um, and yeah, there's no way to learn like than when your son's suffering. Oh, yeah, children are our greatest teachers. And speaking of teachers, what has been the turnaround at school? Like what have you noticed and the teachers noticed since uh, you've made these changes? Yeah, so he's uh, just finished his um, first year of prep. So we, um, I guess like many parents, we started the year with apprehension, thinking, you know, that he had some of these behaviours like, oh, no, he's going to be that rat bag. He's and you don't want to be those parents with that kid that everyone's talking about. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So we, <laughs> I think we were a lot more fearful than him. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been really nice to see the change over the over the 12 months because you know, even, even seeing his relationships with other children blossom, um, some of those aggressive behaviours, yes, we did see some of them um, throughout the year, but a lot less frequent. Um, he's able to self-regulate now, which is really, really nice, showing a lot more, um, I guess, remorse. Not that he wasn't remorseful before, but as soon as he would sort of act out, he'll go, oh, I've done the wrong thing. And he's much better to self-regulate and calm himself down a lot faster. Whereas I know at the beginning of the year, he had one little incident, you know, which took him a couple of hours to sort of calm down and self-regulate. Whereas if there's anything little that sort of crops up, he's able to sort of go, oh, right and then you know it's a matter of you know 20 30 seconds instead of two or three hours yeah that's a fascinating turnaround and what an improvement for quality of life for him and particularly the fact that he's able to now make those friendships and and things like that but also be able to you know concentrate and do better at school and I think What's really fascinating, as I mentioned, you know, like you and Emma, you're both, um, you know, qualified pharmacists, you're both into holistic and natural health, you know, you eat well, you exercise, you know, you're, you're raising your kids doing 
all the right things that as parents we all aspire to do and yet you've still had some of those challenges with Harvey and I think it's a really good reminder to all the parents out there that it's not necessarily something you're doing wrong um, and it's okay to come and ask for help and try and find those answers and you know the benefits for your kid and your whole family because how has it changed the family dynamics for you guys? Yeah, well, we're a lot more confident to go to other kids' parties for a start. Um, but, yeah, even just little things like we spoke about, like going to the football, for example. Loud noises now, he's not covering his ears, he's happy. He's, yeah, it's it's really nice to see him um, thriving. And, and he does do things like um, OT and speech pathology, and they've noticed a, a massive difference as well with his progression. So, it's yeah, it's 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 been great for the whole family. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, obviously you're treating other patients as well. That's a great success story with your own son. But, you know, what are some of the other results you're seeing with other kids that you're treating? Yeah, so um, one of my other sort of – well, I guess we're, we're fortunate enough to get quite a few referrals from some of the, the um, children's psychologists in, in Townsville. Um, so, again, we'll see things like um, sleep – sleep problems which again as we all know if we're not sleeping we're not going to have a great day and kids are no different and their sleep requirements much much higher than ours so um, again like getting sleep right it's transformational for for a lot of parents and one of the things again it's a simple thing that we can do um, we often prescribe a magnesium called magnesium three and eight and what it does it's different to other magnesiums because it crosses the blood-brain barrier so rather than just being a stock standard magnesium, which most of us know is good for us in many different ways, but it crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it's having a really calming um, effect on the brain. So not only good for things like anxiety and behavioral um, type things, but it's great for sleep and sleep maintenance. So that's a really simple, easy thing which you can mix into just about anything, which can make a, a massive difference. Um, and, you know, one of the a, a good example we had um, – Another another prep child, again, that sort of dreaded drop-off time. So every time mum went to drop her off, she was fretting, you know, anxious, you know, very, like a tough drop-off. So, you know, there would you you need the teacher to sort of hold her back because she'd be screaming and crying and, you know, really nervous. And this, this went on. It wasn't just like a, oh, the beginning of the year type thing. It was all the time. So, um, again, we did some just simple stuff like a probiotic, some fish oil and that magnesium three and eight all before school and before we knew it you know it took two or three weeks but then drop-offs were a breeze so I was wow. really really proud and happy with that one so what is it that changed the anxiety levels for drop-off like how did those supplements help change that so again it's it's about the body knows what it wants to do um, it's just giving it the tools to do it so in those sort of scenarios, you know, if we identify those deficiencies and we understand how they affect behaviour, when we get them right, that's when the magic happens. So, yeah. It all comes back to your favourite saying about um, taking the handbrakes off. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. your favourite saying, isn't it? Yeah. I, I always say to people, we're a big bag of chemicals and if we get the chemicals right, the magic happens. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. All right, some great advice there for um, children's uh, health and helping with their behavioural issues or other sleeping issues and things like that. 
We might move on. We've got a few different um, questions, frequently asked questions that we like to do uh, at the end of each episode. Um, And anyone who has a burning question, whether it's about children's health or other things, they can certainly get in touch via the Hello Health um, uh, social media sites or website. So first question we've got for you, James. I've suffered from sensitive skin and bad eczema for years. I've tried steroid creams, amended my diet, amended my diet, and nothing seems to work. Please help. Sure. So I absolutely love treating eczema um, and sensitive skin. And again, it comes back to that whole idea about getting the gut right. So a lot of uh, eczema and dermatitis is actually driven um, by staph. So there's Staphylococcus aureus, which is in our gut, and it's also on our skin. So what will happen is it's a form of autoimmune condition. So basically I say to people, the immune system gets aggravated by the staph in the gut and it goes, right, where else is this staph? Where else can I attack it? So what we'll, what we'll see is there'll often be a staph overgrowth or imbalance in the gut. And then the immune system mounts its response on the skin. So that's where you'll see like the raised, you know, red, itchy, those types of things. So, and again, if the... If the gut barrier, so we, you know, we talk about things like leaky gut. So if the gut is leaky and the the barrier there isn't quite right, we'll also see the same sorts of things happening on the skin. So I love um, working on on eczema via the gut and then also topically. So there's a really cool dermatologist. I think he's in South Africa called um, Dr. Richard Aaron, and he has a protocol which is really all about targeting the staff. And we do the same protocol with our patients so we do stuff to treat the staph topically and also in the gut and then that gives the immune system a chance to to quieten down so that breaks that cycle and then we just do all things like repair the gut lining and repair the skin and yeah it works really really well that's great advice and I think it's that again it's that holistic approach you know most of us always think of eczema that you go and get your prescription for the cream and you just apply that topically but you know where you're saying about really you know getting in and treating it at that root cause level that's where as you always say the magic happens yeah and that's because I mean when you use a steroid cream all you're dealing with is the immune system you're not Mm. actually dealing with the thing that's triggering the immune system or making it more likely to be triggered. And that's why it keeps recurring. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, the next question. I think there's quite a few of our listeners that will be able to relate to this one. I went to my doctor to see why I'm gaining so much weight despite exercising more and eating better. She did some tests and said I'm perimenopausal. Is there something I can do? I don't. I just don't want to accept it. Well, this sounds like my... Um, you know, five or six patients a day. I was going to say, yeah, I think it's very relatable. Sure. So it's really about understanding the hormones that I guess are changing. So with uh, perimenopause, the first stage of perimenopause is low progesterone and often high estrogen. And annoyingly, estrogen ignores the whole calories in, calories out, which is why women will gain weight without their permission. Um, and so... If the estrogen's high, it's going to drive weight gain typically through like hips, bum, thighs, backs of arms, that lower part of the stomach, and sometimes breasts. So sometimes it's about facilitating estrogen detoxification. And I guess people get a bit tricked up because they associate menopause and perimenopause as thinking low hormone. But um, it's usually low progesterone and high estrogen. And then it's once you move into menopause that both those hormones are low. So you'll often see in menopause, you start to develop that menopause belly, which is more 
you know, less hips, bum and thigh, more just all round through the midsection. So I guess understanding the hormones and what you're treating and when you are in that stage is, is the, the best strategy. So often we'll do things like um, facilitate estrogen detoxification and then all the other little things that come with that. So that can include doing some gut work, you know, making sure that we can support that progesterone. So whether that be things like zinc and iodine or sometimes we use biotex, but a little bit case by case. Um, and one of the other things that I'll often do dietarily is I'll get women to, instead of small meals regularly, I'll get them to just have sort of three main meals. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. So eat enough at breakfast to last you until lunch. Eat enough at lunch to last you through to dinner. And that gives insulin, which is the storage hormone, a chance to go back down so the body can access fat burning. So if you're um, eating small meals regularly, sometimes you're keeping that storage hormone on the whole time. So a few little diet changes, maybe some supplements, and we usually see good results. Excellent. I feel like it could be uh, a podcast episode on its own because it is so topical uh, and it's certainly something I think women definitely are getting the um, unfair end of the stick, you know, because as if, you know, hot flashes and, uh, you know, all the hormone changes aren't enough, they then get the weight gain with it. It's a bit unfair, really. It's very unfair. (laughs) But it's good to know that there are things um, that can help, you know, treat that and make it a little easier. Yeah. I do tell people it's it's actually the probably the hardest time of your life to actually shift your weight. So sometimes it's not about weight loss. It's really about stopping further weight gain. And then once they actually move into menopause, it actually becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. So uh, for any of our listeners that are relating to that, you can, I guess, stop um, beating yourself up that with that weight gain. Um, and hopefully that helps give some answers of what could be causing that. And you might be able to seek help from a health practitioner to help you shift that. Okay, and our last question for today from our Frequently Asked Question mailbox. I'm getting heavier and clottier periods each month. What could be going on? Yeah, so again, another sort of common question that I would be asked. So estrogen is the hormone which grows a period. So again, sometimes we could be looking at estrogen dominance, which could again be related to something like perimenopause. Um, It can also be... And again, like the final phase of estrogen detoxification is through the gut. So sometimes we could be looking at um, getting the gut better. And I guess it's that whole holistic idea where rather than just focusing on, you know, what's happening, you know, endocrinologically with, you know, say like ovaries, it's about looking at the other things that might be at play. So if it is a gut problem, um, sometimes it can be little things like iron deficiency. So iron is really, really important for, progesterone and progesterone is a hormone which offsets estrogen so if iron's low progesterone will be low and low iron also leads to heavier periods and one common symptom of low iron is again like heavy periods and clottier periods so again could be a combination of some deficiencies Um, we can do some testing to work out you know exactly what it is Um, often with hormones i find symptoms tell us a lot more than than tests just because you know, your hormones go up and down throughout the cycle. So we need to know what we're testing and when we're testing it to make, you know, uh, or to get a good idea of what's actually happening. But yeah, it could be estrogen dominance. It could be the a lack of progesterone, which again could be things like iodine or iron or zinc or vitamin D. Um, and again, things like getting diet right can, can make a big difference because a lot of those inflammatory foods will disrupt the menstrual cycle. So um, gluten, for example, is very inflammatory, which can lead to heavier periods. Um, we can also 
you know, dairy is probably one of the worst foods for period health. Um, very, very inflammatory. It's the A1 casein protein. So milk, you have A1 and A2 protein. So some people may have seen uh, A2 only milk. Mm -hmm. So that's much less inflammatory than um, standard milk, which is usually a blend of A1 and A2. So yeah, A1 is very inflammatory and will often lead to heavier and uh, more painful periods. And, you know, it all comes back to, again, what you always say, that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. And um, with some of those lifestyle changes and supplements, um, your periods, you know, could be much easier um, to navigate and, and not such a blip in the month. So definitely worth seeking advice if um, anyone is having issues with their periods. Yeah. James, it has been such a wealth of information once again. It's been great chatting with you and I can't wait to chat about our next topic in the next podcast. Thanks, Julie. We hope you enjoyed this episode on What the Health. If you want to keep hearing more, follow us on the Apple Podcast app where you'll be notified every week when we drop a new episode. If you love the show and want to support us, feel free to share the podcast or go leave us a review. Yes. Help make Julie's life easier when she's trying to market this podcast. And of course, it would be remiss of me not to mention that you can go book a consultation in person or online with James to discuss all your health concerns. Head on over to www.hellohealth.au. Plus, you'll get free postage on any products you purchase. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.